0: This is the Without Losing Your Cool podcast. We have entrepreneurs, climate changers, entertainers, and survivors turned thrivers. You do not want to miss a thing. So this is my friend, Matt.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: (laughs) Thank you for coming on season three of Without Losing Your Cool.
1: Congrats on season three. Thank nice you.
0: Thank you. So, what we do here on Without Was You Cool, I love to talk to people who have overcome, people who are pivoting, people are who are creating something out of what other people would determine would be nothing. Sure. Because I feel like so often in life, we as human beings, we put ourselves in boxes and we stay there. And we can live very unfulfilled lives if we don't ever challenge ourselves and pivot. And my God, if you don't know Matt, you are the king of pivoting. My like, ankles
1: hurt. I pivot. No, you do. It's so funny because now I can't. I'm, I wasn't even a big Friends fan. Like I was always a Seinfeld guy. Yeah, I feel like you're one or the other. But I, I do know the the pivot joke on the stairs. And now I've, I've you've heard. I've heard like pivot so often where I can't not hear. You can't pivot. <laughs> like on pivot. Wait, yeah.
0: you are. You're the king of pivot. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Matt is one of I would say arguably Canada's. Most famous chefs.
1: I don't know about that. That seems uh, yeah. like a huge title. That's
0: it's a it's a worthy title. Like, is you, it? Yeah.
1: Very. Uh, what's the word? I have a very not self deprecating, but I don't know. I get like apprehensive when I hear stuff like that because I'm like, I was never it was never my goal to ever do that, and I'm yeah. honored. I'm really honored because I know that you know a lot of chefs, and I know you you have your your finger on the pulse of things. I just like I hear that introduction, I get like not weirded out, but it's just not like not know how to deal with it. And It's like a, I think that's the
0: European in you. Very fair, because yeah. I was raised like my mom,
1: the stubborn European. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't yeah. forget the stubborn. The part. stubborn, yeah.
0: part. but no. But I feel like because my family was Eastern European, I'm first generation Canadian, and it's really something about the European culture. It was like don't get, don't be too proud. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Like, and like, but I mean, honestly, step into it. I mean, you've been on TV shows, you've been on cooking competitions, you have cookbooks, you had an incredible restaurant that people would line up for, you have one of the most famous food trucks that we've ever known of,
1: right? Uh, Yeah, and it was all these things, I mean I guess when you're doing them like, someone asked me recently, and I can't remember what for, to put a resume together for something, it was like an interview, they were like, but they needed my resume, and I was like, I don't even know where to begin, like Like, how far back are we talking here? And and now, like, you know, I've been, I was just, we were joking about that I'm turning 39 in a month. Baby. In a month. But so, yeah, I get it. Like, but the other side of it is, like, I've been doing this now since I was 27 or 26, even. And that was really young. Like, that was baby. Yeah. So I feel like in the 12 or 13 years that I've been just, grinding it out you learn a lot so it's like I feel much wiser than I did in those and so I guess like you 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 mentioned all these things that I've done and I wish this version of me yeah. was doing them because this version of me is way more dialed in to everything and just aware and I feel like I did some really cool things that I don't really remember them because you were just it. Through yeah, it. you know, I was very sleep deprived in the early, early years. Because like, you know, like you said, I was running a food truck, but also having like a, a film crew follow me around everywhere. And then I was like launching restaurants and it was just, it was a lot. And I wasn't even 30 yet. Mm-hmm. So I really wish could- this version of me was experiencing those things.
0: Do you wish you could have participated in it more rather than just going through it?
1: Yeah, I totally feel like. But then the other side of it too is I became quote unquote, famous, but not famous, but known for just being the guy that was like doing all these things. And, you know, I don't know, and again, in retrospect, like being as busy as I was, although it helped catapult my career, it was also a hindrance to my career. And they weren't this, they weren't like, it wasn't all success because at the same time I wasn't really able to like hone in on my craft because okay. I was doing so many things. So I guess I wish I had more patience then. I, I think it's the best way to look at it. Like I was growing so quickly mm. career wise yeah. that I didn't have a chance to become professional at any one thing because I was just doing all these things. And I was like, look, everybody, look at me go. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I don't know if I was, if that was the best learning experience because you're just doing, to your point, like I wasn't really aware of what was happening. And now too, if you were to be like, Hey, talk me through like your second year of the restaurant. I don't really remember. Like (laughs) I don't remember. So it's tough, but now it's a very different version because I've been able to slow down and really dial into a new chapter of my career. And I feel like I've never been better at it, but I look back and reflect a lot and go, wow, Mm -hmm. like, did some cool things. Don't really remember them. I wish, I wish I, I had more, I wish I could have been a little bit more reflective then.
0: You know what? I, there's so much, there's so much juicy goodness in there because <laughs> there, no, there really is. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying, I'm thinking, I'm listening to you, but I'm also thinking, oh, I want to ask him about more about that. And sure. I want to dig deeper into that. The only thing I can say about everything that you just shared, I'm listening to you share that. And I'm like, holy fuck, that's not very dissimilar to being a parent.
1: Fair. Right?
0: Because you're doing all these things. And, you know, my girls are like, when did I do this? And when did I do that? I'm like, holy. And and there is a part of me as a human being that goes, wow, I really didn't pay attention. But you only have so much capacity, right? As a human being, we only have so much that we can take in while we're outputting so much.
1: Yeah. And and I mean, I don't have kids, but it feels like I did at the time because you have so many employees and you have so many so much responsibility for other people. I'm in that um, right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you're just like, oh man, this is a lot. Whereas like now, still a lot of responsibility, but a very different approach to life. You know, I I get to spend more time with, with my girlfriend, Kai, and we've been together for 13 years. So it was like yeah. a new relationship. Right. But we really get to spend a lot more time together now, which is nice. You know, I have a dog that I love, and I spend a lot of time with my dog. She's a great dog. She's a great dog. She has a, she has a rock at your at your cottage. She does. Callie's rock. Like um, her. But I also, I spend a lot of time on my career still, but just in a very different way. And like right now it's very time forward because you know launching something new does require that. But then there's moments where you can pull back and just be a little bit more strategic with your time and your energy. And I've definitely used the last few years of my career to mm-hmm. focus on that muscle.
0: So, where does cooking come from? Because I, I mean, you're saying 26. You didn't go to school. You didn't go to sc- like.
1: Who are you? Where did you come yeah, from? Yeah. You no,
0: know, because you know what? You, so often, yeah, you know, people when we touch on this very, very briefly, they get into no a box. They're like, okay, when I grow up, I want to be this. So they work toward that end. Like I—I I interviewed Elvis Stoiko for this season, and you know, from four years old, he was like. I'm a, I'm a skater and I'm going to do all these things wow. that lead to becoming the best skater that I can become. And that's
1: some people's path. And it just wasn't my yeah. path. Like that just wasn't how.
0: It's, so yeah. Cause you're such a great cook. Thank you. You um, really are.
1: So I, as I take a lot of pride in my, in my, my heritage and my culture. So I'm a, an Italian Canadian. Both my parents worked uh, a lot when I was a kid and I'm very thankful that they, that they did ca- care so much about their careers because it taught me a lot about having a career. But so I was fortunate enough that I spent a lot of time with my, with my grandparents growing up, my nonna and my nonno, And literally since the age of probably two or younger, we're talking spending every day. Now, if you're either Italian or, you know, an Italian that lives in Toronto, they can understand what I'm about to say, which is you spend a lot of time with your grandparents yeah. and you are essentially the human you become is carved by the old world. So when you said to me earlier, like it was very European of me to say what I was saying, like, oh, don't call me that. Yeah. <laughs> that well, I, well, it makes sense because I spent so much time with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they were incredible humans. And I learned a lot about life because of them. And they were very hardworking, but food was at the forefront of, of everything they did they didn't work in the food industry it was just an extension of their life so my grandfather for example he had a garden and I'm not talking like an apple tree and some like you know tomato plants I'm talking the entire backyard was like the produce department at Highland Farms like and I remember during COVID I went after he's he's been passed now for about 13-ish years and he was a dynamite of a human being so did
0: you never see your success just like the that?
1: beginning just mm. the beginning Yeah, he would have loved that i think so i think he would have really loved what i'm doing now because he always and it all ties in so we used to spend a lot of time together in his backyard he'd be gardening but then he'd have a little charcoal barbecue and he'd always tell me that food always tastes better if you're gonna like cooked off charcoal and now that i'm you know a, a partner in a a barbecue company where we're selling charcoal barbecues. And I'm it. the chef of that company. It's so fun. Cause I think he would really like, he would have loved a lot of it. Yeah. I think he would have really loved this. Yeah. But I can still like imagine walking into his backyard and seeing the wine grapes and the zucchini and the big beans and the cherry tree. Like he had it all. And then, you know, my grandmother would be inside cooking. You're always like one meal ahead. So at breakfast, they're cooking lunch at lunch. Yeah. They're cooking yeah. Dinner. Like, so food, like just, Always at that little cubicle <laughs> stove. Yep. Uh, they took an hour to watch like the Italian soaps <laughs> from like three to four. But, and then they would nap and then they get up and you'd keep going. And so, but my grandfather would also, he would bake his own bread. Wow. He would make his own salsiche, which is like cured meat in the basement. Like, so every Italian Canadian had a cantina. And what else would he do? Oh, this I thought was totally normal. <laughs> he would make his own fettuccine and then dry it. In one of the spare bedrooms in the house. So you would walk in and I'm not exaggerating, there's pasta on everything, like hanging everywhere. And I thought this was totally normal. I thought this is how people are raised, you know, every September, early September is always tomato sauce season. So like you get all the bushels of tomatoes and you crush them and you cook them and you jar them. And then that lasts you the year because you never buy jarred tomato sauce. You, you go from your so back. Sacrilegious. Right? Yeah. So, and then what? Else? Like, he made his own red wine. And then if he butchered that wine, guess what? It became vinegar. So it's like these were things that I was just raised on. So food was just always around me. So naturally, when I needed my a part time job as like a 14 year old, because at 14, I didn't want to do camp anymore. I wanted a job. Mm-hmm. I was never motivated by school, ever. I could care less about grades. I was never like, if I don't get an A plus on this, I'm going to be a fit like that. Never. That's I don't right. know why. It was just not my thing. And it drove my mother nuts because she knew I was really smart and she knew I was capable, but I was super unmotivated. But I was motivated by work, maybe because there was a paycheck, but maybe it was also like very hands on and tangible. So I worked at, um, at a grocery store. Bruno's Fine Foods on Avenue Road. I worked, no way, yeah. you worked there? For nine years, I worked there. Because you shop there. I Every shopped time there now you all do the a time. Yeah. Whenever like... I cook for you, I shop there because it's right there. <laughs> and so I was like a bag boy and then a grocery boy and then I worked in the meat department. But so again, I did not I did it because food was just easy for me. I loved it. You were comfortable around it I was comfortable around it. I loved talking to people about food. But then when work was over, I could like put that over there. And as I started to get older, even though I wasn't so much education forward, I was highly interested in like creative fields and I went to somehow I got into university. I got, I went to McMaster for English and I, and I, yeah, it was weird. Like my last year of high school, I did kind of like, I did crank it up a bit because my mom was like, come on, like what are you going to do? Yeah. And I didn't have an answer. So I was like, and I, and I'm not much of a, like a trades person. Like I I don't build things. I'm not Mm. electrical. Yeah, inclined.
0: Yeah, you're I like can't, I can't do blue so, collar.
1: Yeah, it's just what I mean, and the irony is like I'm a I'm a I'm a chef, right? Which is very hands on, right? But in think like like building things and not my not my thing. So somehow I got in university. So were
0: you first generation Canadian? Were your parents? My
1: parents were born in Italy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So were, it was a big deal because for me it was a big deal too. My mom was like please just go to school. Yeah, like she it was just a big won- deal. It was, Because they came it was from here really from nothing. And-,
1: and, and like, so both my parents though, are very Canadianized. Like they have yeah, no Italian accent. Totally they were quite young when they came here. And you know, my dad went to art college. He worked in advertising. My mom went to university. She was in social work. So they were also like career focused, like I was saying. So I actually, after university, I got into Humber College for advertising because I had always loved kind of the world that my dad was playing in mm-hmm. which was advertising and he was it on the design side i became more of a writer and i was loving my career i got some really i got a really big internship and then a really big job like right out of college cuz now all of a sudden i was like oh school is a means to actually getting hired into something right. so i was actually i did quite well on a mark side of things at that point in my life so now i'm like 24 I'm working in advertising, and I, I'm having the time of my life. Like I'm not making, I'm making like thirty grand a year and at the time. I'm like I'm rich. Like you know, maybe thirty of these, thirty thousand of these. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. But like even then, I was also always just really big into food. So I was like always cooking for people and cooking for my team, like at work. And I'd go home and I was cooking. And then in 2008, the recession hit, and Ad agencies got hit really bad because right. of the automo- if you had automotive clients, you were going to you were gonna probably have to downsize. So I lost my job and I was like, it's okay. Like I'm 24 and I've been doing it for a year. I was pretty burnt out because it was a lot of work working yeah, at an agency. Work. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this time and see what's next for me. So I didn't have a – I had a very hard time like sitting at home and not being busy. So I got a job at another grocery store. while I waited to see if the market would change. So, I got hired at I McEwen's mean, at the shops at Don oh, Hill's, yeah, yeah. And that was really when I saw, like, meeting Chef Mark McEwen for the first time. And he's a, a great friend of mine now and someone I consider a mentor. But at the time, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting because he's a brand and mm-hmm. this is food. This is the first time that, like, my two worlds are kind of like happening at mm-hmm. the same time. So, I had approached them about doing a bunch of, like, in house ad work for them being that I had that background, but also this background. And they loved the idea of it. It just wasn't, they weren't prepared for it because they had just opened. They needed to focus. I'm like, this is incredible. The guy's a brand. I really, I really connect with that. And then they weren't able to like bring us on for like doing any sort of like in-house ad work. So I was, went back out in the job market and I got a job working in a marketing department at a financial services company. And honestly, it was a great job. But it wasn't like I didn't connect with it, like and I am feeding your soul. Yeah, and I, I guess I think above and beyond Marx, like we were talking about how Marx didn't really matter to me in school. I think I've always felt the need to find connection to the work, like and, Mm -hmm. and that's when I was like, kind of, I was there for over a year, maybe a year and a half. But while I was there, I was working on a business plan to open up a sandwich shop called Fidel Gastros, like that was the original idea, and then. One night I had, or sorry, one day rather, I got a, a job, an opportunity to present this to a bank to get a loan and they just completely laughed at me because they were like, what are you doing now? You have no assets, you have no equity, you have nothing. Like, and you don't, you're you don't, not even a chef. You're not even a chef. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? I'm, I'm going to do it. No, that's true. Like, I, that's ballsy. It, so I was like, okay. So then they denied me. I was going to just give up on the idea, I'd go back to work. And then one night I'm cooking at a, I'm at a sorry, I'm at a party and they were going to order pizza. And they were like, Matt, it was like a meet. They were like all musicians. They're like, Matt, do you want to cook? They're like, we'll give you the money. I was like, cool, I'll do it. And as I'm cooking, it was kind of an open concept kitchen, big Island. And people started like gravitating towards like what I was doing in the kitchen. And it became like an extension of the party. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe that's my way in. So I quit my job and started doing that. And then from there, it was like a food truck and restaurant. And then you know, here we are today, 13 or 14 years later.
0: So you literally took that time of hanging out with friends to start, would you call that in-home chef or party? I used it as like a, what, what would that – what if you were to give that a label?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I used it to like – I used to refer to it as doing pop-ups. So the ah. concept of like here today, gone tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. And I was like that uh, – so it was very experience-driven and experience-forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was at the forefront of the idea was that like, oh, maybe maybe the my way into the food industry isn't so much my lineage through working through another chef mm-hmm. or, you know, a really fancy design. But right. really what it is is using my background in advertising to get people's attention to do these like experiential style food events. And then at the time, like social media was really just really starting to ramp right. up. So it all like timing was perfect. The idea worked well at that moment in time. And like the food was okay. Like obviously it wasn't nearly as good as it is today. But at the time I think people were willing to give me a chance because they were like, wow, this guy's like really going all in. So, and that, and that's like 13 or so years ago.
0: Well, that's what I would say. I think from being your friend and, you know, meeting you through social media and through you being at a you know, backyard barbecue. That's actually the the first time I met you. It was your birthday. Um,
1: I can't remember how many years ago now, but cooking for you. So many years. We won't even put a number on on it, it. but, but it was, yeah. Cooking in a backyard. Yeah.
0: And I was blown away. And I just, first off, there was not only the passion behind it, but just, You're, you have such a way, like your energy goes into your food and there's so much love and you're like so vibrant and, and eating your food feels like that. You know what I mean? That's a huge
1: compliment. That's a really big compliment. But it's
0: true. It's true. Uh, I think people feel connected to
1: it. I, you know, like I, I'm almost going to get emotional hearing that because it's, it's literally, I don't know. I think about my grandfather and my grandmother Mm -hmm. and the time I spent with them and for them feeding people was currency. Like it was like er, like there was oh, like the most important thing was to bring people to a table and feed them. Mm-hmm. So that I think it's a way of
0: showing love.
1: Yeah, right? Totally. It's a way that they you knew that you were in their like their circle, their pack, right? They mm-hmm. they fed you and that was a priority always, you know. Mm-hmm. So to be able to now make a career out of that and feed people <laughs> constantly I love it. It's my favorite part of my job is being able to bring people together over a meal. Mm -hmm. It really is.
0: Well, you're so good at it. You really are so good at it. Okay. You just the other day, and, and it will be weeks ago, you, by the time this goes live, you posted that super cool throwback of your POV from your food truck. Oh
1: man. That was, it brought me a lot of anxiety seeing that photo. Really? Yeah, because it was such... Did it
0: bring you pride? Like, I'm looking at them uh, like, look at my friend. That, I mean, yes, now in retrospect, I can look at it and go, holy shit, you must have been shitting your pants being like, do I have enough product now? Am I going to feed all these people? It was
1: mayhem, honestly. Like, it was so, yes, tons of pride. It showed, you know, we were popular, we were doing something right. But the the other day, like, the the flip side of that is I I saw the chaos that was in front of me. So the, the vantage point was from inside the truck, yeah, and through my window. And my original, because I've had, uh, I've had two food trucks, but my first food truck was really old, but it had a massive service window, so mm-hmm. you could see everything into our truck. So that oh, no. f- like everything,
0: <laughs> not necessarily
1: great. Yeah, well, whatever. Like <laughs> if you're, like,
0: you're like, like scrambling back there, which and- there was
1: tons of scrambling, <laughs> and tons of freaking out, and tons <clears> of <throat> chaos and panic. But so I remember being at that event. And like being like, what is going on? And just taking a photo of mid-service because that was a lineup. And it looked nothing like a lineup. It
0: was no lineup. It was, it was a, mob. a mob. It was a it mob. Was, yeah. It's like, I felt like I was looking at it, people like at a Taylor Swift concert. Like literally, it, it was nuts. a mob. So, okay. So you've gone from not being interested in school, graduating, getting into university, going to do advertising and marketing, going back to grocery, cooking in people's houses. How do you make the leap from cooking for people in their homes to the food truck? What? How many years between that to the first truck was there?
1: Honestly, it was like six months. So Jesus. maybe even less, actually. So it was like, I remember I did my first pop-up event where we actually took over a space. And, you know, basically just plaster. If you had ears, you, felt, you heard that I was started this company and I was selling sandwiches on this day at this time. Like I told everybody and I used Facebook and Twitter to really like drive it up. And I remember being very panicked because I quit my job to do this. And this, at this point this would be like October 2011 I want to say. And I was prepared to sell 400 sandwiches that night. And even though I'm like, in, in retrospect, like, the ego on me to think that I was gonna be able to who like if I could get 40 sandwiches, let alone but I was prepared for it with food. And I was prepared yeah. win or lose that we were gonna do this. So I remember right before we started we were open, two cops walk in. And I was like, oh no, like I don't have a license. I don't have insurance. I, was say, I didn't, like a permit. Nothing, nothing. I had nothing. Vendor permit. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Zero. Like what all the things you need, I had none of it. And I'm like, and you're like, woo, woo, they're, like who's, they're like, whose party is this? I'm like, oh, it's mine. And they're like, they're like, oh yeah, we, we we came to order some sandwiches. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, we read about this in that, in the paper at the time. It was called the grid. I don't know if you yeah, remember the grid. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the best for finding out like what was happening in the city in Toronto. Yeah. Like I really missed the grid. I think the city could really use that voice and perspective back. But that's another. Especially
0: now, post-COVID, Especially COVID, now. right? Yeah. Like,
1: For all the reasons, right? Yeah, it really reasons. gave you an inside scoop of what was happening in Toronto. So, yeah, so the the cops were like, yeah, we read about this, this pop-up in the grid. We're here to get some sandwiches before the line comes. I'm like, the line? What are you talking about? And then, sure enough, we had a lineup out the door the whole night. Did you
0: sell out 400?
1: No, it was like just shy, but like it didn't even matter at that point. The fact that it was just like people out the door. And I'm like, what is going on? So then from there, I was like, okay, now I need to turn this into a business.
0: What do you think was going on? Because a lot of people will have the talent. They'll have the idea. They may even have the financial backing and they won't get the line up the door. If I could tap into that, what do you think that
1: was? I don't know. I really think, honestly, like first off, I had a great circle around Like I, I had just started dating Kai. Kai's my my much better half, my much better half. She's and, awesome. you know, so she really saw what I was doing and wanted to be a part of it and part of it. So she told everybody. Mm-hmm. And then I told everybody I know. And then we used, like I said, like I used, I said, I must've sent out like a thousand and eight Facebook invites. And then I used Twitter and I just was like, I don't even touch Twitter anymore. But at the time... It was a huge tool.
0: Well, it was the biggest thing. It was the biggest thing. It was the biggest thing. And
1: like, I think if I'm going to be honest, like I had a really like good strategy. Right. And the timing was perfect because people were just starting to get into this like, oh, Toronto can be cool too kind of mentality. Yeah,
0: because food, I'm trying to think because we used to split our time between Toronto and Los Angeles. Remember there was a TV show, the fruit food truck races.
1: Yeah. 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 When was that? That was after this. That yeah. Was after it was this. after, yeah. right? So
0: you were actually, you were actually ahead of even the U S New,
1: New York was still, was doing this way before us. Like this whole, right. like, like but pot, Toronto, like, Toronto wasn't like there was the, at the same time that this was all happening. I was also, there was something in Toronto called the Toronto underground market. And, it was like an incubator for people like me, people that were starting off in the food business that were maybe home cooks, maybe transitioning. And it was a big event at the Evergreen Brickworks and thousands of oh, people I would remember, show. I remember. And it's when people started to be like, lining up for food is cool. Like that was like really like the beginning of it. And I was in the early stages of that event. Right. So then I just did my own before I did one of their events and it, it, it worked out. Luckily for me, and then it was like, okay, now I got to do this on a f- more frequent basis.
0: What was the first thing you served when you were like, "Come eat my sandwiches"? Yeah, like so I, did, I What did was a, the first thing? On yeah, menu? I know
1: exactly what was on my menu. There was um, a Cuban sandwich, which was like it's a roast pork with ham and cheese and onions with a sauce. Then I did something called the Toronto cheese steak, which was a steak sandwich with a fried egg on it. Mm-hmm. And, horrible idea because we had I had someone like frying yeah. like a hundred eggs to order. Like I had no idea what I was doing because you never mind. done it. I had, I'd never done it before. But it was a good sandwich. It was, but like I could do a much better sandwich today. And then I made a spaghetti and meatball sandwich. So it was like meatballs, but then the spaghetti I like tossed it in an egg and fried that. And we were doing that to order, so that was a. Lot. And then and then I did a macaroni and cheese sandwich, what? and so and again, it, it was just pre-made macaroni that I made, just kept it in the oven, just scooped it on with some extra cheese and. You know, it was, it was fun. It was different. It was whimsical. You know, I can yeah. make much better food today without even hesitating. I know yeah. I, I, can, I can. I mean, but God, just what you it was... put
0: on your freaking Instagram on your, which we're going to talk about this. Part okay. Again. Yeah. But
1: yeah, you no, I know. through
0: the history first. But it
1: started, it started with, you know, I was very passionate and a very hard worker. And I think that helped the timing side of it. I don't know why I get emotional talking about it. Cause I think about, sacrifices and the hours mm. spent doing it. And I, I get emotional not because for anything other than like it takes like a lot of me to like relive all of that. The mm-hmm. and so when you like exhale, yeah. You're, you're just kind of like, oh, there's a little bit of emotion there.
0: What do you think that is?
1: I don't know. I think it's like it's very reflective. Like I think of all the the, the sacrifices I've made personally, I've made in my relationships, both friendships and and romantic ones. And mm-hmm. I think of, you know, my family worrying about me being like, is this guy going to make a living? Like yeah. selling sandwiches off of a table, you know? So it was a lot of, who knows, but we'll wait and see kind of thing and a lot of risk, I guess. And so that's a very emotional process. And, and, and then you just look at like the hours spent doing it. And I think yeah. if, <laughs> if, if people were to see what it took to get me in a truck with that many people and like the hours spent, like, <laughs> I think, I think it would really scare some people. Right. Cause like, I, you know, it would be normal for me to work 22 straight hours, you know, and then maybe take a, a couple hours nap and get up and do it all over again. So I'm not really proud of that, even though it helped build the foundation of, of my career. I'm not, and I don't recommend it to anyone because it really took a, a physical and an emotional toll mm-hmm. to work that much. Sure, but I also just think about my grandparents, and for them, that was life—like working that much, right? I know, so, but
0: they came and they did that so that we wouldn't have to. And, and I mean, and there yeah. is there is an element of that that is. Uh, and I, I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. Like I'm advocating for like busting your ass to that point. No, I, there but, was a hustle
1: culture, right? Like, yeah.
0: and But there's so many people that aren't willing to even do a fraction of that and then, you know, put their hands on their hips and stamp their feet and be like, why am I not successful? Because I think we live in a time right now where it looks like success comes easy. You know what I mean? We only see people's highlight reels on social media. And yeah. even with you, like, I mean, you're getting emotional here and I'm like, holy shit, like I would never have. I know chefs work hard. My brother's a cook. So I know, and I have friends who own restaurants. I know what it takes and it's sure. not for everybody. Yeah. But you don't, you know, when you're sitting in somebody's restaurant,
1: you don't think of. There's so much. There's buying, so much. behind the scenes. Like chefs are really underappreciated and undervalued as a whole mm-hmm. in just our contribution to making other people's lives feel better. You know? hospitality as an industry Mm -hmm. the whole premise of it is to give other people memories you know and with that there's a huge amount of sacrifice that comes with it Mm -hmm. because you are willing to put parts of your life on hold because your whole career is based on providing that for other people and I think that's a huge responsibility and it comes with a lot of positive and negative kind of emotions and feelings. And like I said, like I don't advocate working the way I used to work. Having no balance. I had zero, zero balance, balance, zero balance. So I have a lot more balance now.
0: Um, Without losing your cool, we've got your gift giving needs covered. Whether it's a holiday gift, if it's a support gift, if it's a little extra love that somebody in your life needs gift, or a parent who needs a little more guidance, advice, and the knowing that they are not alone out there in their parenting journey, we have got you covered. If you know somebody who is deepening their relationship to self, grab them the self-love bundle. It includes the loving yourself without losing your cool book, loving yourself journal that accompanies the book, and love notes for adults. If you have somebody in your life who's expecting or has a little from zero to 10, then the Raising Kids Bundle is the perfect gift set for them. It comes with the Raising Your Kids Without Losing Your Cool and Love Notes for Littles. If you have a parent in your inner circle who is heading into tween and teendom, boy, have we got the gift set for you. Parenting Your Teens Without Losing Your Cool comes with Love Notes for tweens or teens. You get to choose. All of this is available for you at chantelbisson.com. If you're shopping chantelbisson.com for the very first time, don't forget to add yourself to the newsletter to claim your shopping discount code. Go now.
1: And I also have a lot clearer mind as to like what my goals are. Right. So if you were to ask me then. Like, what are your goals? I've been like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. I Everything. Just, Everything. All the things. All the you things. Know? Yeah. Well, um,
0: I mean, I'm 54. And, you know, Yannick and I were just talking the other day when we were driving. And I looked at him. I said, you know what? I said, I, I've got it. And he goes, what do you got? And I said, what I want from this, from this yeah, podcast. I, like, I'm 54. And I could finally articulate. And then, of course, Yannick being Yannick, goes, well, how does it look? What does he's it feel He's very like? existential. Yeah, he's like so that. existential. And he can't just like be like, babe, I'm so proud that yeah. you've, you've gone from, right? ah, I want yeah. without losing your cool to be all these things to being like, this is what I want without losing your cool to be. And he's like, great. And then he's like, pick, pick, pick. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm crying because right. sure. I'm like, I'm trying to share with you that I finally figured sure. it out. Now you're opening a whole can of worms, right? Because you get there. And then you get to that place where you're no longer, ah, but then there's, there's always more layers, right? There's always sure. deeper you can go.
1: You actually, you would said also the word, like you use the word success. And I think it's a really important word because uh, everyone defines their own success very differently. I and mean, yeah. I am not a wealthy individual at all. You know, I'm not. I've, I've had moments in my career that have been better, better financially than others, mm-hmm. but like I've never really determined my success by that. But I, I do determine success by like, I know I'm doing exactly what I'm meant to do. That's it. I know that the work I'm doing every single day, you I'm very, cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, no, because it's like, I'm very, it's so charitable, easy to get wrapped with, up. It in. is, you know, I do a lot of charity work, not financially, but like, I'm very hands-on with yes. charities. And I get to use my food, my cooking and food You okay? okay. Yeah, it's (laughs) just, no, I love that.
0: No, it's just, it means a lot to me. And it's a great reminder, you know, because stop and ask yourself. Yeah, maybe it's not a bank account that you're accumulating. I'd like it to be a bank account. Yeah, of course. Don't get me. Me too. Bro, me too. Like Like just so everyone's Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would love to have both. (laughs) I'm not telling the universe to not give me, but I'm just saying that it's amazing that you, that you're able to own that. Success doesn't... The only marker for success does not need to be in wealth. In, in like- fact,
1: that, the wealth should probably come second, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about it. Yeah. Like the The first part should be this part. Yeah. The The wealth should come after that, I, get, I hope. Yeah. And by wealth, I don't even mean like crazy. I mean yeah. like, like to live comfortably Yeah. maybe not work as
0: hard, yeah. you know?
1: But, um, but if you were to ask any of my closest friends, I'm talking like people that knew me before I started this career journey, Mm -hmm. they would tell you I'm doing exactly what I should be doing. and should have always been doing. So I'm very, I take a lot of pride in that. That to me is, is what success is. And with that success comes a lot of ups and downs as well. But I'm really happy with where those early years have kind of led me, Mm -hmm. you know, and I have a much clearer vision as to like what I want my personal life to be mm-hmm. uh, and then my balanced life to be, but my work life to be. And like I said, like right now in this very moment, not right in this moment, but like in the last like couple of months, like I've been, wor- I've been working a lot, but it's, I know where, where it's taking me, yeah. you know? And like I said, we just, we just launched a new company and whenever you launch something new, it, it does take a little bit more of your personal time, Mm-hmm. But I think it's that personal time that helps bring it to that place where it's recognizable and it starts to grow with or without you, which is right. kind of what you want. Right. So And I still get to cook. Which I know,
0: great. which is incredible. So we're going to go through the journey because Food Truck leads to.
1: Then I got a, a, a restaurant, Lisa Marie. I where would the name come from? You have the best names. Thank you. So it's funny. When I did my very first pop-up, mm-hmm. my table looked empty. Mm-hmm. So I went to Honest Ed's and I bought an Elvis bust and I put it on the table. And ah. people loved it. People were like, That's you gotta right. So like everyone was like, you gotta bring this Elvis bus to every everywhere. Everywhere. So every I'm driving around, chances are there's an Elvis bus. And if Kai wasn't next to me, the Elvis <laughs> bus was next to me in the seatbelt. Like it That's was so all good. so then when I got the food truck, everyone was like, Well, you even though it's the Fidel Gastros food truck, right? Like you still need to name it like you name a boat. Like, you know what I mean? Like
0: they're like, you need to name
1: the actual vehicle. So I named it Priscilla because Elvis and then Priscilla. And then when I was like, we had to come up with a name for the restaurant. I was like, Oh, Lisa Marie. And it was like, family. everyone was like, that's exactly what it should be called. And it was like a, it was a product of the other two things, which kind of made sense. And then there's so much to dig into there. Like, you know, my first, even though we were so popular when we first opened, I'm I'm not super proud of the restaurant that we, we had the first couple of years. years. Really? Yeah. The food wasn't like great. Do you um, think you were
0: spread too thin? I was
1: spread way too doing thin. Doing the trap Because I was also, I was also filming a TV show at right. time and writing a cookbook. Right. Um, so it was like, I'm like 28, you know, can't afford any of the things we're doing, but we're doing them anyways. And so I, I wasn't super proud of that, but it got, luckily we were busy and popular enough to get better. And by year three, things started to really come together with the restaurant. And then we opened up, we were the first independent food company in Toronto to open up inside what was the Canada Center, is now Scotiabank Arena. So we had a, a kiosk. Did you
0: really? Yeah. How yeah. did I miss that?
1: That's why we only lasted a year. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no. What, in the No, I'm kidding. In yeah, the so it, was a one, it was a one-year contract to sell our food inside the ACC. Uh, nice. It was the first year of like the Austin Matthews era. So yeah, it was like things were starting to get popular again, right. for the Leafs. And, and you're a big, big I'm hockey so fan. Huge. Sorry, you're it. a big Leaf fan. I'm not sorry for it. I just I'm feel bad for, for you. I don't feel bad at all. I have these because it's always it gives me something to constantly look forward to. <laughs> 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 but yeah, in the playoffs, it's quite yeah, devastating.
0: It is in the moment. It's hard. But yeah. It's hard. So
1: then, then from there, our catering business started to really like ramp up. We sold the restaurant in 2019 probably when it was at its most popular mm-hmm. and busiest.
0: Yeah. Which is what I was so surprised by that.
1: Yeah. I guess it's the behind the scenes stuff that really makes a decision like that. Like, yeah. It was becoming very unaffordable to, to own a restaurant and imagine now, and uh, there you go. Like it's even more unaffordable now. And and so like labor was very high. Rent was just skyrocketing food. Cost, so it just, it stopped making sense, you yeah. know? So as hard as it was to make the decision to sell the mm-hmm. restaurant, Uh, we had to, because it just didn't fit anymore. And then, but our food, we kept the food truck and then we were opening up a catering kitchen in Etobicoke. Yeah. I
0: remember you did that, right?
1: I did that for, well, so it's funny. So as that was happening, it was behind schedule. So we were able, we weren't able to take on the same volume of work in that summer. And summer is really where you make all your money in the catering business, especially like here. And then like we got through, we just got it open in time for the Christmas season. So we were able to do that. And then we came back in January and February. It was looking like it was going to be our busiest year yet with catering because the all the pre-bookings we were doing. Right. It was like, we were like, wow, this is going to be a really busy year. And then I'll never forget. It was like March. It was early March. COVID was becoming a thing elsewhere Mm -hmm. and we were hearing about it in fact and i was doing an event for casey house which i'm we're doing it next week again it's called june's eatery it's like a it's an hiv positive pop-up restaurant that i help casey house which is a hiv specific hospital to help launch this dining event so it's a public health dining event it was three nights and by night three that was a wednesday or that was a thursday friday we had a catering Saturday, we had a catering. Sunday, we had a catering. Monday morning, Kai looks at me and she goes, this COVID, coronavirus thing was starting to really like ramp up. Like, are you worried about losing any business? And I remember looking at her being like, babe, we got this. Like our clients have been great. No one has said anything. We're good to go. By 4 p.m. that night, every event we had booked for the year was gone. For the year? For the year gone gone we're talking a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of events and bookings are gone and then by thursday of that week the world had closed yeah so it was like trying to figure out our place in this new kind of world Mm -hmm. and i was i was just like the weirdest part was like just not working like what do Yo, I do with my what, hands? Yeah. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. So I did like what a lot of chefs did was I just started doing like a lot of Instagram lives of cooking stuff. And mm-hmm. that was great. Kai and I did, and John Cattucci, the three of us did like a morning show every, every morning. Ah! I had espresso. Oh and, my like, God. Instagram, just for fun. You yeah. Know? But then I needed to get back into working. So I did like these, like you could do one of two menus. One was like an Italian menu, like a, like a Sunday, like Italian menu. One mm-hmm. was like a barbecue menu. And I would like cook it all, pack it all cold, came with the heating instructions, and we would like try and sell these like packages.
0: Oh, right, I remember that. And too. I'm like
1: delivering them myself. I'm, I know, like, I remember. It was crazy. Doing it. And uh, but then things started to get busy again. You know, we we had opened up a, a little sandwich shop uh, at the stacked market, which is downtown, called Meatball Warrior, and it was a lot. of, I did like meat, meatball subs and a lot of subs, and it was a lot oh, of fun because it was simple. Yeah, and it was good, and it was really people really dug it. And then I got a, a call from a, a, a guy who I, I he's a do you know Ron Tight? He owns an ad agency. No. Anyways, great guy. Ron is a, is a he's been someone that I've known my whole career, and he's a great connector of great people. Mm. And so Ron's like, hey, a friend of mine wants to talk to you about maybe being an influencer for this barbecue company they want to launch. And I was like, oh, what's the name of it? He's like, it doesn't really exist yet. I'm like, well, how do you influence something that doesn't exist yet? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I also like cringe at the word influencer. But anyway, that was that. Right, 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 right. But
0: you are one of the OG influencers, I would say, for sure. And and and
1: that's why I cringe at it. Because I just try and create things that maybe are influential in nature. But I look at at the role as being twofold. If I can influence consumer behavior, but also the brand itself to make better decisions or whatever – like everyone wins, but I, I really just try and do my thing and whatever happens, happens.
0: But I think that that's why it, it works is because you're so genuine. You know, it, there's so many people out there influencing and it's disingenuous and you can look at it and you're sure. like, you can see it from a mile away. It's like you got paid to do that. Even I don't even need to look at partnership sure. under the, I don't need to read the really But the listen, I definitely
1: did I'm, partnerships that I did for the money. Yeah, I, yeah but I still, I, said, I know,
0: I know. Like, well, we all, I mean, know,
1: I've done some nobody's product. asked
0: me to do a partnership, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I yeah. can't say that I've done anything <laughs> yeah. from the money. But I I understand that. But I still feel like even if you did, you gave it your whole heart. Do you know what I fair, mean? And fair. there was.
1: Because I care about the work too, yeah. right? I would never want. And there was some stuff that Kai and I got to do together. Like I remember we did a, a project for for Chevy Trucks. And it was probably like one of my favorite things to do because we got to do it together. We did it very well. She produced it. I got to start, but it was, it was all about like, like pickup trucks and cooking on farms. It was such a cool project. It anyway, cool. So like we, we got to do this fun, really fun stuff. But anyway, so the barbecue, they were like, would you like to talk to them? And I'm like, sure. I'll talk to anybody about right. barbecues. I love barbecues. And then it turned out that I actually had another mutual connection with one of the other partners. and. Long story short, we have this meeting, my age, I'm telling my agent about it. She's like, maybe I should hop on the, the call to just to keep an eye on where this is going. Yeah. And it turned out that what they were really looking for was, you know, they were, they were very, they are very smart entrepreneurs prior to this idea but right. they were like, we really are missing like someone from the food space to help us anchor a lot of that aspect of this company. And I was like, so like the plan is to, to start a barbecue. Is that what you're asking me? And they're like, yeah, they were like, they were like, what do you think about it? And then we were talking about what the actual, what their positioning of the product was. And I was a big fan immediately. They were and the whole idea of So all of this became Alchemy grills, which is, some, I'm a, I'm a, a co founding partner right. in the company now. So I remember, like, they, you know, my, my I'm on this call and my agent's texting me at the same time, being like, sound less excited. <laughs> and I, lo- I love her. She, yeah, we're so cl- it's like when you go look so at a house, close. right? Yeah, we're so close and, and we get along so well. We've, we've been working, her and I have been working together for almost a decade now, too. Wow. But you know, she knows what gets me excited, yeah. And so she's like, "You need to sound less excited." I'm like, "I can't! This is so cool!" Because, like, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. With I would do well. I would do this even if it wasn't a job. Like, if someone was like, "Hey, can you cook on barbecues all day and just give us your opinion?" I'd be like, "Yeah, <laughs> totally." What a do you great think that idea. comes from
0: your grandfather being such a lover of a barbecue?
1: So, like, I don't know if he loved barbecues; he loved the flavor of charcoal. Right. You know, and I think you take that and you combine it with working at Bruno's, like, butcher shops and talking to people. It was just always like something I really and I love being outside and cooking outside.
0: But So what would he be cooking on a, a charcoal barbecue? I mean, I Everything. I grew up with a charcoal yeah. hibachi because we lived in an apartment, right? Yeah. So we had an on it. It was a
1: crappy yeah, little the thing. Round, the round original thing. Weber. Exactly. Right? But it wasn't even that. Like, this was, like, you didn't even have a lid. Wow. But, like, you would make sausage and ribs and chicken and steak and It was always overcooked. You're making
0: eggs. I do everything. Yeah,
1: it was always because Italians always overcook meat. It's like us. Really? Yeah, they don't know what to do. Not this Italian. Well, because they they grew up in like war era, right? Right. Where you had to overcook everything, or else it was you're gonna die. You're gonna die. It's probably Um, not good for you. But I've you know so I've what they gave me an opportunity, my, my my business partners to be a part of this from the ground floor, right? Mm Because it was a brand new idea. So I got to work with engineers and industrial designers and help give them my knowledge of cooking over barbecues and fires. And they applied it to, you know, actual engineering and math. And there was a back and forth. And then you're using that to create a business case and strategy. It was a lot of fun. And then, you know, so all this is happening while I'm still running Fidel Gastros. So we're, it's almost like this little side project.
0: And then... Fidel Gastro catering? The catering. Or the truck? I, both, okay. all of it. It all was all it.
1: happening at the same time. So um, this is a long time. This is two years ago. This is two and a half years ago. So, it, and then I remember... So at this point, I also had... I was doing... So we had the food truck. We had the catering kitchen. But our catering kitchen was doing all the food for a brewery next door for us. I remember that. Yeah. And then I was doing all the food for another venue downtown. So I'm like, I'm all over the place. And then the Omicron strain hit. Right. And, and I think what people forget is not every industry was impacted by same. Omicron the same, but hospitality was. Mm-hmm. And it felt like March 2020 all over again. Yeah and I had to lay off staff at Christmas time. Mm. And I remember being in Florida and, and looking at Kai, we, were t- we had to take a little Christmas vacation with her family. We do it every year. And I remember looking at her and being like, I think I'm done. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, the cup's full. Like I have no desire to open up any more restaurants or food trucks or like the thought of catering another wedding is giving me highs right now. So it's like, I'm like, I, I really think this barbecue thing is a great idea. And I'm gonna try and put as much energy into that as I did my previous kind of career. Nice. So I remember telling my, my business partners, and they were like, Yeah, it's great, like to be able to have more access. And and so then from there it was like like off we go. First prototype, second prototype, third prototype, and now we're in retail. And it's it's unbelievable. So it's what makes it so unique is it's completely powered by charcoal and wood but it's the world's first simultaneous cooker. So what that means is there's two fires, okay. there's a lower fire and an upper fire, and you can smoke and grill at the exact same time. So I can be making ribs in the smoker and making burgers on the grill, and the two things aren't impacted by each other.
0: So, and you and I have talked about this, we've texted about this, cause I'm like, it looks so cool, but I'm such a layman. Can I use, can I use the Alchemy grill?
1: Anyone can use it. I think really it speaks to enthusiasts first and foremost. Right. I think that's like any new product, right? Right. There's a, when, when you, like Apple just announced this like goggle thing, goggle world yesterday. And then it, like, it's cool. But like how many people are really going to buy a goggle world first year? Like probably not that many, but there are, there's some tech heroes that are going to go right into it. So I think we're kind of like that. We're a very we are an enthusiast product right however the people that are enthusiasts are diehards for so sure so if you are if you're ask, if you're asking me is this something that you could get comfortable with of course you can right, right? the question is do you want to right do you right. want to learn to cook over open fire that's that's really how where it starts yeah
0: well so and so here's the thing for me when i think about all that because I love food, but I don't love cooking. Like you love food and you love
1: cooking. Yeah. And, and I love entertaining too. Yeah. And it's an entertainer's barbecue. Yeah. Like I've cooked at your cottage. I love and, it.
0: And we're having and you up again. You, we you love are. I, you I
1: love it. Shandos, you know, like yeah. it's. <laughs>
0: and we're bringing, bringing, bringing the grill
1: this time. But it's like, so I think of that like area you have where I'm like, you could totally have, so even if you're not the person yeah. on the grill, yeah. someone can be, and that person is usually like the conductor of, enter, of food and entertainment, yeah. right? Because it is that kind of a, an experience. And yeah. it goes back to like the pop-up, right? The food experience side yeah. of things. So it's got this beautiful fire pit that you can cook 360 degrees around.
0: I love your videos. Oh,
1: thank you. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it, it, it was, I remember trying to come up with how do we create content for this brand, this new Is that startup? your
0: idea, those videos? They were,
1: yeah. And, but, my, but again, my business partners were like, listen, we don't yeah. have, have any experience in this world. You clearly do. We trust you. And hopefully it works. And, uh, and I remember Kai, who's always like my, you know. Yeah. She's always like my, my, like, we'll try and find like little holes in the work I do because she always wants me to be the best version yeah. of myself out there. I remember she was very complimentary right away of the con, and which I, which meant I knew it was good. Mm -hmm. If she was giving me compliments about how good it was, then Mm -hmm. I knew it was actually, it was the right move. And what we did was it was so simple. I was like, I knew I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to show all of the barbecue because it was still patent pending and it was still a prototype. But I'm like, what I can do is really bring people into the fire and, and I used like ASMR and sound mm-hmm. to give a very visceral feeling of what it feels like to be next to me while I'm cooking around the fire. That was the whole marketing plan mm-hmm. was to get people to feel the same fire that I'm feeling. It worked. Thank you. It
0: worked. It Thank totally you. works. And I think it, it makes you feel like you're sharing an experience with you, which is what's a great thing about having a chef, you know, and And watching the videos and looking at the barbecue, it makes you feel like that. So I want to ask you this. I don't know if you'll have an answer for it. (laughs) I'll try. Yeah. Going, being 39 now and having this barbecue and having this. Do you wish, and
1: this might be, do you wish you had started where you are right now? But I wouldn't have been able to. I wouldn't have been able to. I, I know, I guess I don't know you know I mean sure. like if you
0: could, you've, if, if I you could would, have just skipped erased all, it. Yeah.
1: but it took so many years of getting to this point of proficiency to be able to tackle this project with confidence and, Fair. and, and the skill set. So I think if you're saying like, if I could just do it, I would, right. but actually, no, I don't think I would have been able to, yeah, I would not have been able to. it had been it'd be like, you know, your first piece of acting being like star Wars or whatever, like some Epic movie where it's like, yeah, you'd love that to be the case. Right. But like, would you be, or not even acting like directing and producing, you know? Mm -hmm. So being like an intricate part. So yeah, I would have loved that, but I just don't think I would have been equipped to do it or Mm -hmm. or qualified to do it.
0: Do you ever think you'll cook at that scale again? Like you've like
1: in the past, I mean, for charity events, I do it all the time. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. about to cook a, or be a part of cooking a a 300 person dinner next week. I don't think, no, let me rephrase that. I know I'm never going to open up another restaurant. Mm -hmm. I know, I know that I still do consulting for other restaurants on the side. Mm -hmm. I I really enjoy that. I still love working in restaurants and helping other people be successful. Well, or just refine their concept. And I love coming up with menus for, for, for concepts and, but I never want to own my – I want to be able to turn it off at the end of the night not have yeah. to worry about it because that was the problem with the restaurant. It never really turned off. So that yeah. was tough. That I feel really
0: tough. I, I feel that because with my marina, right, like people are like, oh, you're never here or we don't see you on the – oh, I'm not going to be scooping ice cream because I'm doing six yeah. million other things, you know, and and I am there. But, you know, it, it's – for me, it's not just – may till september sure. like my staff you know sure. it's like i i didn't I, I didn't know what i was biting off yeah. you know when i well, i remember
1: our early phone calls when you got it you're like "Matt, what
0: do i i know it's what like do?
1: how do i order chicken what do i do how do i do this?" there's a lot of things to like it's it's a beast so i, I do really enjoy doing consulting stuff for restaurants mainly kitchen stuff not front house. Mm-hmm. you don't want me serving you because like i'll spill the, the soup all over my hands but uh, but and then we do these dinners with alchemy and for oh, me wow. yeah, like we do them up at my business partners' farm. So we do the big long tables, that. long table dinners and I get to cook like five course tasting menus off the grill and I love that. I really enjoy that for two reasons. one, I think it's a great way to build a, a brand new community for alchemy. Mm. It's an, a very, Uh, approachable way to market a new brand in this space specifically again but then it it also fills my cup like i can i can cook a dinner service one night a week for five straight weeks and then that's it and then we'll bring it back a little later Mm -hmm. do it again and then that's it so it's it's more my 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 vibe and it's very similar to why i got into food in general like you know being able to cook these meals for people they're, they're great. Cause they, you know, we sell barbecues at these dinners and yeah. people all walk away knowing exactly what alchemy is. And then they're going to tell people, and the the brand will grow from there. And it's a startup. So it's like, you, it's really all you can ask for out mm-hmm. of something like that. So it's a real full circle moment. Yeah, it is. Right. Yeah. We begin again.
0: <laughs> but like at you begin again at the beginning, like the first thing you did was, Hey, rather than order pizzas, let me cook for you. Yeah. And now you're like, hey, let me cook for you. Yeah, instead of buying like ad
1: space, let's do this instead. I think it'll be a lot better for our growth. And everyone agreed. It's been a great, you know, and and actually you just asked me about what I'd like to have started here first. I think I actually understand the question even more now after talking about like this last little bit, because it's (laughs) like, you know, I think all the things I did wrong in the beginning, I'm actually applying correctly now. So the rate of learning and the more dialed in approach to how I'm doing it, I know for certain I couldn't have started here because I needed that other version to now know how to do this. And so we we talk about pivoting mm-hmm. and this whole, it's, we've been pivoting since we started talking but that's, so di- I use the, the term dialing in a lot when I look at how we approach work, right? And to be dialed in means to just be a lot more present and focused. And mm-hmm. and then the best part about dialing into something is at some point you have to dial back, right? And you know that it's a it's a forward backwards kind of thing. So when I'm working, I'm working, but when I'm off, I'm off. And when I'm when Kai and I are going for a drive, we're going for a drive. Yeah. We're walking the dog, we're walking the dog. And, and that's really another thing that I, I've just learned over time. <clears throat> and you know what? To me,
0: that's success. Is it? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. To have the ability to be able to remove yourself from the job, from sure. the preoccupation of growing something, of building something. that That right there, my friend. That's true success. Yeah, I guess so. Right. Be present in your other relationships. Be present in your relationship to self.
1: You know what I mean? Totally. I. I yeah. And then you I know, as as humans though, we never really notice it. Really, like when we're doing it, until mm. someone else says it. Maybe. But yeah, like I, I. I now I'm. I'm. You know, we're so busy right now, which is great. So I feel like it's very easy for me to get back into that old right. pattern. Get back on the hamster wheel. It, it, it's, it's, it's an easy thing for me to do it because by nature I am, a I, I work hard. Yeah. Like it's hard for me to turn that off. Um, so I just have to be really mindful that yes, it is like that right now, mm-hmm. but it can't be like this all the time. Like I need yeah. to be able to recognize when it's going to happen. And, and, you know Kaya again has been so understanding that she's been like, Listen, I you I know that you need to do this right now. Yeah. And then when you can pull back, you should. So like, you know, we were we were down south for most of the winter, you know, I was working down there. Yeah. But at least we got to go do that. And I never would have been able to do that before. No. So we're very lucky. It's been a you know it's been a it's been a great couple of years, but I'm really excited for where it goes. Yeah. We're Where do you want to see it go? Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to build a product and a brand and the idea of growth now is very literal in the sense of you try and take however many units you have in the market and you want to grow that 10 times over how many different countries, right? And that's really, if I can cook the way I'm doing, you know, currently but around the world and do like yeah. that would be really like where I'd like to see this happening You know, is to be able to bring that experience of cooking on an alchemy over live fire and, and, and travel the world and do that. I think that's um, a TV show. Yeah, maybe it is, or maybe it isn't right. Like I always used to think of things like that could be a show, but now I'm just like, but I just mean a, like a no, show right as in, though. can you
0: imagine how many would sell?
1: Fair. Right. And, and listen, how do you I, reach all the enthusiasts? A thousand percent. How do you do it? Right. So I think, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely a show I would do, like, for sure. I would love to do it. My actual, you know, I think one of my goals right now, career-wise, is I want to be able to cook with Francis Mallmann. Francis Mallmann is probably the world's most profound and elite live fire chef. He's based in wow. Patagonia. Like, our, our, Oh, wow. Yeah, and I would, like, an absolute goal of mine would be to one day do a collab dinner with him because some part of him kind of reminds me of my grandfather. Like he's a sweet little old man. He's very soft spoken, very passionate, very, very simple in his food and execution. And it would just be a great, I mean, it'd be great for me. He'd probably be like, why does this kid want to cook with me? But I would love, I would love the opportunity to do a collab dinner with him. I'd Um, love that for you. Yeah. and, And it'll probably never happen, but let's just say it did. It would be very cool. But I think to be able to just cook around the world and to bring the style of food that I've spent you know, the better part of the last 12, 13 years perfecting. And now I really feel like I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I would be honored to cook for other people around the world. Do you wish you could cook for your grandfather? Uh, I really do. I really, really do. There's that like joke where people are like, if you could cook for someone dead or alive and yeah. people are like, Oh, my favorite actor this and that. I would love to be able to cook for my grandfather. I would love for him to see like his influence. Right. Like, I think, I think he would, cause again, you know, Europeans are all about like that legacy leaving a legacy. Yeah. And I think I would love for him to know just how important he was to, me. Right, <laughs> when he was alive, yeah. So he, I, I think that would have, that would be really cool if if I could cook for anyone, any one single person, I would love to be able to cook it.
0: Well, yeah, you know how I feel. I know he's watching you. And yeah, he's for sure. cheering you on, for
1: sure. Right? Yeah, and I and I feel it in little moments. Whether it's, you know, I I actually think whenever I do get choked up talking about him, I actually think it's him just reminding me that like, no, no, I am watching. Like, don't worry. But yeah, I think about them every day. Mm-hmm. Every time I start a fire to start cooking off of, I think of the, the there's nothing quick and easy about what we're doing, right? Mm. It's, but it's also not laborious either. It's just, it's a, it's a craft.
0: Yeah. And you know what I think that, what I love about the alchemy and what you're doing with cooking is, I feel like we've become a society where everything's so rushed. Yeah. You know, we're rushing through the pot. Yeah. We rush through how we eat. We rush through how we prepare food. You know, we rush through the grocery store. I mean, you know, we don't even have to go to the grocery store anymore. We have Instacart and stuff like that. And I feel like this is, this is bringing the, the, the
1: relationship to food back. I would agree. You know what I I really agree. There is something called the slow food movement. Yeah. And this isn't really that, but it borrows principles from that. Right. Where it's like, you can't rush this. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for a quick burger, it's not like it, there's a there's a process and a craft that goes along with the alchemy. And I think you need to be very you have to want to experience the cooking part of your food mm-hmm. just as much as the eating part of your food to really connect with it. And the fact that we actually have barbecues in people's backyards right now blows my mind. Your mind, But they are all people that are either want that to be how they, you know, their relationship with food or that is how they, the, their relationship with, with how they, they cook. So you nailed it though, right? Like so many gadgets and, and technologies that we mm-hmm. have around the kitchen are all about speed it up, make it faster, make mm-hmm. it more efficient. Right? right. And this is more about like, Take it easy, slow back, enjoy it, live in that moment. Think about that moment, you know, and uh. I
0: think that's a beautiful parallel for life. Yeah. Like slow down, slow
1: down, enjoy
0: (laughs) it more. Some things Take you want to rush
1: through because they're like they're like yeah, traffic. I'd love to get through traffic a in little Toronto faster. It like, took me over an hour to I get I know. It I'm it. sorry. It's not, you didn't do it. <laughs>
0: I know, but like, i like the timing of when we were recording had a had a part in it. But, but
1: but no, you're you're right. Though there is a lot of parallels there. Like and and I think I think that's really why I believe in the project and the company so much is that it's it's really enforcing a slower, more intimate relationship with the food that we're making for other people
0: being relationship with food.
1: Yeah. Right. And it, uh, it, uh, yeah, I, I love like, I, I, I cook on it every day now wow. and because like I have to, right. Like whether yeah. it's testing or selling or yeah. content or whatever, I'm, I'm constantly cooking on it and I'm having like a lot of fun cooking on it. It's it like, looks like you're having a lot. Yeah. Of fun. Thank you. I have yeah. a wicked tan line though on the back of my neck. My apron—it's really bad. Was <laughs> it? It's like, see that? Like, how bad is that? Uh-oh. How bad is that? It's so bad.
0: That's that's it's good. so bad. It's yeah. gonna get worse when you come cook on it at yeah Chantilly's place. I, I, but I'm very excited. I know um, we're excited too.
1: And it's like again, you know, this is a community where I don't I don't live there. No, nope. I don't even have a cottage there. I only go there once a year. But we've yeah. been doing it now, I think, for four or five years. It's yes,
0: our fourth summer doing it,
1: and the the members of your community get really excited and they're yeah. like I see familiar faces and yeah you know and I, I hope now my goal for that is it's like imagine I come up there and then people are like oh Matt you gotta come by our, our college because we have an alchemy back. There. Yeah you come see it. You gotta come cook. I'll be like I'll come cook you don't even want to ask my, like <laughs> ask my business partners how many times I've offered to to someone who's purchased an alchemy I'll let me like, come I'll oh, come I'm like I'll come cook I, don't know. <laughs> like,
0: I know because even really you bad. I was like
1: I was like I'm gonna I,
0: we want to buy one but we're we're so afraid of it we're intimidated yeah. by it. you're like I'll, I'll come cook. cook and I'm like it's gonna be two and a half hours away from you I can't uh, have you come cook I'll,
1: I'll figure it out
0: but so that's always been your spirit yeah and just I, even I, when I, I asked you to come on here you're you even said even Kai was like what the hell are you two gonna talk about well, she look at, she was
1: like Kai was like what what's the podcast about I'm like I don't know we will figure it out like Chantal and I have known each other for a while now. Yeah. And I'm really ex- happy you, you asked me to come on. I, I am too. I think sometimes like it's, you know, I, I, I remember when I sat down, I was like, I'm a little nervous. Cause I don't know just like how, like, I know how, that I can get emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you know, it's like, you don't want people to be like, Oh, the guy's crying. Over a <laughs> <I love laughs> like, that, That's okay. It's, it is what it is. Like I I mean, sometimes I wish I had more control over it. Like, it just I'll be talking about.
0: I think that's beautiful. I mean it's you know we live in a bottled up world, right where everybody's like censoring themselves and like checking and double checking especially somebody who's a public person like you. you know what I mean I think it's I appreciate it. I appreciate the vulnerability. good. Okay. I do but I'm I glad always you have, do. I really, I, do. You. I really do. I really do. I think you're wonderful and awesome. thank you.
1: I, I, I feel the exact same way. you know your your family's always been so kind to me. You know, we met by virtue of cooking for each other, like yeah. not each other. But yeah. like, I cooked for for both. I think it was first. It was your birthday, and then it was, maybe it was your anniversary, and then it was like a moving party.
0: Yeah, like well, yeah, celebrating him. Yeah, like back then it was eleven seasons of Murdoch. Now there, there we 17. Then there was that one. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh,
1: is that how long ago? Yeah. Oh Remember God. you were on Murdoch? Oh my God. <laughs> I was. I had a guest. <laughs> he didn't know it was me until I <laughs> sent him I know. a photo after. I know. And I had a mustache, and I looked like the guy from the. I looked like the Monopoly Man, <laughs> and, and so this is like we, uh, we're kind of digressing now. But so what's so funny is before we ever even met, I was just such a big fan of the show Murdoch Mysteries, like right? Huge fan, and because like I love my city, mm-hmm. and I love like like h- historical right shows. So like for me, this was like, oh my God, this is there. I remember I'd never seen an episode and I got a cold and I was like, I couldn't work for like a couple days. So it was a really bad cold. I think I binge watched like eight or nine seasons and I was like all in. I went all in. Deep. I went back to the beginning. <laughs> so I was such a big fan of the show and I, and this is a true story. So I don't think I've ever shared this with you or with it Oh my God. So, okay. So I remember at the beginning, all of, the
0: secrets come out on without Lizzie or
1: we must've met in 2016 or 2017, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of 20 beginning of that year, mm-hmm. I made a list of 10 things I wanted to accomplish. And one of them was to be an extra on Murdoch mysteries. Come on. I sure God. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to, and and so we met and I'm, and I'm like, this is so cool. Like, But I didn't say anything. Like I didn't say anything because, like, I don't believe it. Like my my way to do that was not to actually go to you or Deanna and be like, "Can I get on the show?" Like that's so (laughs) tacky, right? Like, what a tacky thing to do. So, but it was always. Meanwhile, of course I have. (laughs) But now that now that those people who are watching know that I think it's super tacky. (laughs) Super tacky. But but I still had this list, and it was on my list, and I'm like, so randomly, I'm I'm in. I'm at somewhere actually not even far from where you used to live. Like I'm in mean, the right. east end of the city, and a friend of mine in media, who has a friend who's like a producer on the show, calls me up and he's like, "Matt, what are you doing in the next two or three hours?" I'm like, "I don't know." Why? They're like, "They're like, well, they're looking for an extra on Broadway Street. Can you drive to Hamilton now?" I'm like, "God!" So I jump in the car. <laughs> what? Yeah, I jump in the car. Drive all the way to Hamilton from east of the city. From the, east of for the city. for people
0: who are not from Toronto, where the Murdoch set is, to Hamilton easily is a two-hour drive. Yeah.
1: So and I and I I like I was prepared to drive on the shoulder because they were like your call time is <laughs> now 5 p.m. Oh and it was God. like 2:30. I'm like I gotta go. <laughs> so I get there. I'm so like excited. I just so. Like they put, they, they let, let me do like the wardrobe thing. Yep. No hair, but they what, put a hat yeah, on me. <laughs> it's okay. I, I know. I'm wrong. They put a mustache on me because because there's not any people like shaved heads in that era. So that's like, true, right? so like they had to like, you know, so they put the Penny Packer hat on me. I think that's his name, right? From Monopoly, Mr. Isn't, Penny Packer. Well, I don't know if he
0: has a name. He has a name.
1: I think it's Penny Packer. We should Google that. We <laughs> should Google it. So I'm doing this. I'm, I'm like, oh my God. I'm like. I'm doing it, and so doing the he's thing. doing the. He doesn't even know I'm there. He has no idea I'm sitting there. But he's met you,
0: pro- yeah. Obviously, me. obviously, yeah, you He could knew for us,
1: But I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything, and I'm just sitting there. And all I could think of was, oh my god, I have this shit-eating grin <laughs> right now, and they're gonna have to keep yelling "cut" <laughs> because this guy is smiling. Luckily, the mustache kind of hit it, and I was like, Ooh, <laughs> Like I even like I pretended like I had a monocle like the like the guy in Monopoly. Like, yeah, yeah. You were giving yeah. it. Yeah, like I was like in it. I mean, like I had a whole backstory oh while god. I was there. I was a I was a merchant. And, oh my god! You know, so I, and then I was like, I you know I, I can't remember what happened after, but I sent him a photo. Yeah. of me on set on set, and then he walks up to me. He goes, Matt, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like I oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> so, so he took me for a little yeah, walk around, and then
0: you got the photo uh, together. We got
1: the photo together, and I was like, I can't believe I'm doing it. This is so fun. And then I had like all these like little backstories for other characters if it ever were to come up. If it were to come yeah, up, yeah, I was like, I was an Italian butcher in one. <laughs> and this is like you're like if they ever call me back. They ever call me back? I got storylines. You smiled too much. Yeah, I smiled too. I smiled it's way, too, way much. too much. I was really it worried. It was
0: before the ninth turn. No, it would have been nineteen. 19- Oh four. Okay. So God, we could, we could go for hours, but okay. So quickly tell me, I have to know this because I'm big in manifestation. Okay. Manifesting shit. You had it on your list. Did it come to fruition in that calendar year?
1: Yeah, it did. It totally did.
0: You gotta tell me your ways, man.
1: You You know, I gotta know. I don't know. Maybe it's like having, I think when people put lists together, for me, I, it wasn't even a manifestation list. Like, I'm not actually one that, to do that. What I do, though, is I am very goal-oriented. Mm. And I just was like, I'm like, I'm just going to see if this happens. And, like, that same year, I was like, I want to travel more for work. And I traveled a lot for work. I, I No, specifically, I said I want to see more of Canada. Mm. And I was – I saw almost every province that year That's crazy for work. So, yeah, so I think it's like – so since you're so powerful, yeah. as we wrap up here, yeah, right. what do you want to see for Alchemy Kills Grills? Well, I, I mean, I want to see this become an absolute disruptor in the live fire and barbecue cooking space. I want every single, the head of every single other barbecue company to notice exactly what we're doing, that we're small but mighty, and mm. we're going to be taking this industry, you know, I think by storm because while everyone was trying to, recreate the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. We're really looking at trying to do things differently in this space. So that's probably my, my most immediate goal for the company mm-hmm. is to really get people's attention with what we're doing and, and, and cause a little bit of, of, of noise because I think it's a, it's an industry that needed some disruption. I agree. I agree. Thank I you. think you're
0: going to do it. I think so too.
1: I hope so. I really hope so. Yeah. I believe in it enough. So well, you're
0: the right guy for the job.
1: You know, it's a collective. There's a lot of us that are working really hard to make. it Yeah, but
0: office. you're the front. Of, you're the front face for it, and the content that you're putting out for it.
1: it's top notch. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, chef. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> See the tail there? It's, it's really bad.
0: What <laughs> you ever call it? I'm so grateful you joined in on this conversation. Subscribe where you're listening. Leave a comment. Connect with us on social media for more. And all the links, you can find them in the show notes. We will see you at the next one.